Hi, welcome to the Sacred You podcast. I'm Rachel Goodwin and I'm a channel and healer who loves to teach and empower others. I offer a look at spirituality in fresh and new ways and you can see more of my work at my website at rachelgoodwin.dk and the classes and sessions that I do. Ahu heia valea noi e kahaliku puakukui kuhia hu kaunaia akapu kumoni nei pihikui kahima naho ikapili. So today I have a real treat for you. We have Lily Sweet on the show. Lily is a spiritual coach and an inner child shadow and trauma alchemist, as well as a womb healer. And she lives in Montreal in Canada. And Lily and I have been working together for a few months. And some time ago, I knew I had to find someone that I could work with that would help me do a bit of, well, you know, like a spiritual health checkup on myself. You know, I've been through quite a lot of life transformations in the last 7, 10, 15 years. And it was just, it was so great working with Lily. I've re-embraced some practices that I've let go of along the way. And I found some new ones that are really, really amazing. And healing and coaching are very close to my heart. So I was keen to have someone on to talk about it. And, and I'm really grateful um, that Lily, you know, was able. But <laughs> I had no idea that she was such a wild child and had such a varied and interesting life. So you're going to love this. And um, maybe we'll get Lily back on another day to talk more about her healing and coaching practice. Because I'm telling you, this woman knows so much. She is like a walking encyclopedia. And her Instagram feed, Awakening the Magic, is just so full of great tips and tricks. Anyway, enough of me. Enjoy the show. Welcome everyone to another episode of Sacred You and today we have with us the lovely Lily Sweet. Hello Lily. Hi Rachel, thank you so much for having me on your show. I feel so honoured to be here. Oh thank you. I've really been looking forward to talking to you because we've been working together for, I don't know, what was it? A few, it was a few months, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a few months now that I've been coaching you and it's been such an honor to work with you I was uh you know I was just kind of going over our sessions and how powerful it's been to have that journey together and just the incredible beautiful exchange of energy that we've had as well has been so precious to me 
It, it's been a wonderful experience and I'm really looking forward to talking about all of that some more. But before we get into it, I was reading yesterday that in Canada you're having these huge temperatures like up in the 40s. Is it is it like that where you are? Uh, it's not. It was it was really hot for the past few days, uh, something like 35 degrees. But I know it hit like 40, 45 degrees Celsius uh, out west, which is yeah. like we probably beat records at that point and there's fi- uh, forest fires going on as well so yeah right. it's been really hot really hot and really have heavy temperatures I mean that's insane it was 47 it actually got up to 47 somewhere oh, in wow. British Columbia I think and I was just like I know you're in Quebec is it is it Quebec you're in yes I'm in Quebec I'm in Montreal Ah, right. Okay. Yeah. My, my geography is generally not, not great. Anyway, never has been. It took, I didn't really know where Denmark was, where I live now until, you know, I actually moved here. So it was like. <laughs> so Montreal is about like five hours north of New York. So that's how you can, people can situate themselves again. Yeah. So, so do you speak French or English at home? Oui, je parle français. Ah! <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Say something else. <laughs> yeah, so in, in Montreal, most people are, are fully bilingual, so we speak a mix of Franglish, we call it. So okay. we like, easily skip from like English to French all the t- like most of the time because most people can like speak both languages. It's really fun. And there's also kind of like a local swank, a, a slang here called like Quebecer with the Quebecer accent. It's, um, I don't know, like an old timey t- type of local French. Um, so I can speak that as well. And I have like European roots as well. So when I, when I was born, I had a French accent when I used to speak French. And so <laughs> I would get bullied at school, though, because of my French accent. So I learned to pick up the Québécois accent. That's what it's called. And so I could say something in Québécois. If, if you... Oh, go on. Yeah, go on then. Go on. <laughs> hey, comment ça va? Qu'est-ce que tu fais aujourd'hui? <laughs> hey, that sounds kind of cool. You know, it's a bit rapish, isn't it? Like. Wow, that's so interesting. I just said, like, how are you? What are you doing today? <laughs> so, I, I mean, I grew, I grew up hearing a lot of French because where where I was born on the Kent coast, it's the southeast of England. The town I grew up in was next to the English Channel, the sea, and you could actually see France by on a clear day. You could look across really? the water and see Calais. Yeah, and my dad, he wow. was a he was an engineer for a big company called Sealink. It used to be it was like British Rail sort of version of ferries going across on the sea. And so he used to sail from Folkestone to Boulogne every day. Both my parents went to like evening school and learned French and we used to go on holiday every year to France because it was like literally just a little bit on the ferry and then and then we were in France so French is like quite natural to my ear and it's a bit of a shame really I've ended up in Scandinavia. Oh no that's a fascinating story you've got there so did you pick up a little bit of French yourself? Yeah, so I mean, I, I and we, I had to take a language at school. It was compulsory, so I did French for five years, but I failed dismally because um, 
it was just you know it's a lot of it's a lot of work to learn a language <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of words you have to learn I mean I can say je m'appelle Rachel <laughs> that's Very about it that's about I can read a menu but you know I've forgot I've forgotten a lot of it and I and I I really hated doing homework when I was at school I never really I didn't do the study like required to learn a whole language but you know I've had to learn Danish since since coming to Denmark because it's one of the require requirements for living here so I've had to like I, I've got a huge like Danish vocabulary in my head now and actually because wow. most people I speak to um, English is not their first language it's a second language and so I take a lot of words out of my conversation I have to strip out a lot of colloquialisms and actually and unusual words and actually I I have forgotten a huge amount of English now wow yeah like, can you say something in Danish yeah <laughs> um yeah I had a Rachel your boy Roskila Denmark um min man Thomas han arbeider i Roskila Universitet or um Benjamin for his little son Hannah well Hannah Tony Storley knew Hannah or yeah you're really good you have a great accent yeah like, it's very know, it's such a hard language for me to pick up like was it hard for you yeah it is really hard and I and my when I took my exam I think in 2017 the, one of the, the there was two people in the exam one went your English accent is very strong she said very disapprovingly <laughs> in Danish and I was just like oh speak some English to me so I can criticize you you know <laughs> it, is, it is really hard to get like get your mouth around there's a lot of sounds that I still can't actually make because you kind of need to like be born making them pretty much so but you know I can I can manage on an everyday level as long as I don't have to do anything too complicated and but I mean I go to school meetings and all that kind of thing and I have to manage in Danish you know just because it's it's too it's too much for everyone to have to speak English and kind of slow down nothing gets done so I have to be fairly fluent well you don't have a choice but to speak Danish basically if you live there right yeah unless you want to feel really really excluded <laughs> <laughs> I know like here in Quebec like a lot of I mean there there is a large po- uh, part of the population population that does only speak English so you can get away like only being English if you come here but it is it makes it difficult more difficult to get a job um, so a lot of people end up leaving after a while because French is also a difficult language to pick up yeah people tell me the grammar is a, a, a nightmare and I sort of think oh perhaps I was doing I guess I was only doing like a GCSE O level like you know 16 year old grade of French I, I don't remember it being that hard I just was lazy <laughs> right it is hard the grammar like I I find I still find the grammar hard myself okay yeah. <laughs> yeah. and it's my mother my mother tongue so yeah it's a it's a difficult language yeah and, and as you know the British we're not famous for being good at learning languages so <laughs> So by British standards, I've done amazingly. By everybody else's standards, I'm just very average. But um, I really, you've mentioned before that your family were immigrants into Canada. Where are you from? Yeah, so my family uh, is from most, most of my, I'm, I'm of Moroccan descent. 
and my family left uh, from Morocco and most of them emigrated to Paris. So I have a huge side of my family that lives in Paris. My parents did live in Paris for a while before they emigrated to Canada. Um, it started with like one of my uncles uh, on my dad's side that moved here. And <laughs> and then um, I think my dad told me that he applied to, like to get a visa to to try to get to a bunch of places. So he, he applied uh, to New York, to to San Francisco and to, to Montreal. And we and he ended up getting a visa to come to Montreal. So I was like, damn, <laughs> I could have been like, you know, I could have been on the, the West in the South on the West Coast. Um which is like a dream of mine to just live in the sun because it's like so cold all the time here. Like, but um, yeah, my fa- so my family's from Morocco. Wow. Okay. And and how is how has that been like growing up in another in another country? I mean, for your parents, mm-hmm. I guess they were you know had to start from scratch. Um. Wow, like that's a really good question. Like my parents were never really good at sharing stories from their past. So it's almost like a lot of it is mysterious to me. And a lot of the time I would ask them question and they would just kind of like skim the surface of, you know, very basic stories that they would repeat to me all the time. But I know like my my I come from my heritage is that my my grandfather owned a bookstore. And my great grandfather owned the bookstore, and my dad worked at at his father's bookstores in Morocco. And he came here with the intention of becoming a doctor, but he became, but he opened a, a bookstore in the end. That's what um, that's what was ended up working for him. And there's a whole like huge story around that, so I won't tell you like all the details of it. But um, yeah, he opened this a few bookstores in Montreal. And um, I think that when they first got here, they were like so shocked by by. And my mom tells me stories of like her wearing these like skirts in the sixties with the the high the knee high go go boots in like minus thirty weather like with the with the the snow blaze blazing and her waiting for the bus like outside for an hour or more and I think she they were living like in the outskirts of Montreal at that point so there was there weren't as many buses there at at that time it's not really like that like if you live in the center of Montreal you won't wait for an hour for a bus or something like that um but yeah there and she she was pregnant with my sister and she was 17 when she uh, moved here so she was very very young and they moved into a small apartment um she I think like she just felt lost and she felt like she was ripped away from her family at a really young age, it was really difficult. And, um, and my dad is, um, was almost like 10 years older than her. So he felt really responsible for her. And he felt responsible for taking care of her and taking care of, of his family. But they did struggle this at first, but he managed to get like a job in a bookstore. And then later on, he opened like when I was about four years old that's when he opened his first bookstore and it was a big success his first bookstore was a big success and he opened the second one after that later on um so I was always growing up around books around culture 
uh, around intellectuals and things like that. And I'm so not an intellectual myself. Like I'm an artist. I, you know, I, uh, I'm very much interested in spirituality and things like that. So I was like the sore thumb that stuck out of my family. Oh, wow. And, you know, cause I'm asked, I'm asking that question because, you know, I'm an immigrant. <laughs> took me, took me a few years to realize that because like in my head because I'm British I was just like oh well I'm British because <laughs> like you know there is that certain arrogance yeah. that we have because we're British and we just you know we think yeah. everybody else is immigrants and we're not but after a few years I realized I was an immigrant and it was actually it was just so hard coming here and like losing my entire culture and there's so and I didn't think it would be I thought I was a really adaptable person that had my roots in things other than culture because I thought my roots were in my spirituality but I discovered that actually especially when things like when Benji started going to school and the school is so different and there was so much that I missed from how things were done in England and even things like the nursery rhymes I lost all of my nursery rhymes and things that I would sing and of course you can do it at home but it's not the same when you can't do it with the with the community and it was like yeah it's 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 a, you really like you said with your mum it was like it's you have things that they're kind of like ripped away from you and I mean I've been here seven years now and um I don't feel like that I don't feel like that anymore I just have you know the odd moment on days but um can imagine with your mum like she was 17 so that was quite good actually I think I think it's the older you get I think probably the worse it gets like every decade it gets like yeah Mm. because you get more and more like you're more set in your ways at that point right yeah 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 and then the the Danish culture is so radically different from you know the British culture too you didn't find so well yes and no there are a lot of similarities so I went to language school for two and a half years in an attempt to sort of learn Danish but really it was because there was a certain set of exams that I have to pass to get residency and they didn't really focus on like teaching us how to speak Danish just to pass this exam but anyway so I was with a lot of different you know people from different countries and other people a lot of other people found it much much harder than me to like adapt and I think like if you're from sort of like countries in more southern Europe or like Latin they're they're much more warm and friendly with each other people here are quite reserved and standoffish and I'm kind of used to that (laughs) that was how I was brought up as well because my parents were very much like that and my parents were the same by the way they never told they, they never told me anything about their lives or it was like you know everything was just like this big secret I had to be like some sort of detective to try and like piece the family stories um together but so and also the humor is quite similar but I mean I'm very lucky in the fact that the Danes I mean not all of them you know I, someone told me because my when I first came here, I couldn't speak any Danish. And one Danish woman told me I should go home then. I should go back to England if I couldn't speak Danish. Oh and I was like, okay. But I mean, because me and Thomas, me and Thomas had a had two years living in England 
where he was trying to find work. And some English woman said that to him as well <laughs> about, oh, you should go home because you're a foreigner. So it seems we also have the racism in common between, oh, between Denmark and England. But yeah, there's a lot of cultural things that are similar. But of course, you know, there are a lot of things that are completely, completely different as well. But so how did, so you came from this, like all these books, how did you end up like doing what you're doing now? Oh my goodness. It's like, I'm 46 years old right now. And I just feel like I've lived like so several times, several lifetimes in, you know, in this life. So to tell you how I got from there to here, it's just like, I don't even know myself, (laughs) but I can tell you that I was, um, you know, my mom was a narcissist. And so it was not very easy for me uh, growing up. And understandably, she she uh, was very young when she had us. And she never got that love and attention and affection from her family, because she came from a family of like nine, 10 children. And she's told me I found out later on through my healing process and asking her a lot of questions that her mother only hugged her one time in her life. That's all she could remember because there was so many kids. She could not, I don't know what it was, but she could not give her attention to all of them. So it was just this culture of like the kids take care of the kids and of working very hard to make ends meet. She came from a poor family. And so the focus was just on order, getting order in the house and getting some food on the table. That's where the focus was. And she was the youngest. uh, And she got all her attention because she had really good looks. And so my mother relied heavily on her looks throughout her whole life to to value herself. And that's, uh, I'll tell you later about that. That's like a pressure, big pressure that she put on myself too, that was uh, difficult to deal with. But um, I always felt that because she never got that attention, attention, and she had to fight for it so much. Um, it was very painful for for her. So I think when you have that much pain within you, it becomes very hard for you to give that attention to give that love to somebody else. So she didn't have the capacity to do that. And she was very self focused. I think the narcissist is someone that suffers so much that they can't, uh, they can't pay attention, they can't, they can't give any uh, value to the things around them, because they're so focused on their own pain. So everything's becomes about a thirst to quench that um, part of themselves that's never been nurtured and valued. And that's all that, like their, 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 their vision is just narrowed down to that and so I just felt like my mom never kind of really saw me or acknowledged me she had all these like protection mechanism in place like she could literally not physically hear me when I spoke to her so it was very difficult I think I was like I'm naturally a person that is very social uh, that is very outgoing that is very outspoken but I repressed all that as a kid and I made myself to be almost like invisible. Um, So it was a, 
during during my whole childhood, I feel like I was a bit like this invisible ghost. Like I would play in my room alone, alone a lot of the time. Um, and like, it was all about like, you know, just, just make yourself as quiet as possible so that I can live my life and do my thing. And, and to a certain extent, I learned to love that. Um, you know, so I have no problem just playing on my own. And I became this like fabulous creator. I just remember like endless hours of doing crafts <laughs> and, and I was so passionate about it. So as a result from that, I became an artist. So I became a painter and a photographer. Um, at 12 years old, I had my own dark room. Um, and I was very lucky that a client of my father came to the bookstore and he was a cinematographer. And I mentioned my, I think my dad mentioned my passion for photography. And he said, you know what? I have a dark room sitting in my garage and I'm not using it. Your daughter can have it if she wants it. So I was really lucky. So at 12 years old, I had my own dark room and I was like so fascinated with the process to which the light projects onto the film or the paper and then comes to life. Now it's all digital, but back then, you know, you did everything analog manually and it was such a magic to it. There's still some people that do that, but I was, I was really like obsessed with that magic. And um, so I immersed myself in that by the time I went to uh, university in, in photography and painting, I already knew almost everything about photography because I was self-taught from such a young age. So when I went there, every time I asked them a question, I would say, how did this photographer produce this am amazing image? They would always say to me, we don't know. Photography is a self-taught medium. So I was like, what the hell am I doing here then? You know, like, so I actually ended up leaving university after my first year because I felt like I wasn't learning anything much. And then um, I started working as a freelance photographer and I was working for a newspaper uh, doing editorial photography for, for a few years, but I was a starving artist and the editors would always give me like bargain with me to give me like peanuts in exchange for my work. It was really frustrating. And, and I had a really hard time making ends meet and I didn't want to go in the fashion world. I didn't want to sacrifice my vision and I didn't relate to any of that stuff, which is where all the big bucks are usually. Um, so I left and um, I, I had to redirect myself, although I didn't know what I was going to be doing at that point. I had a passion for music and singing that at that point that was pretty much unexpressed because I always felt like I didn't have like enough of a good voice, you know, to, to do this, but I trained myself. So, you know, I hired uh, the best teachers and for a few years I trained myself and, and I can testify that even if you're the worst singer, if you work hard at it, you can become fantastic. And so everything's really about hard work. And, um, so I remember recording myself on this little double tech deck recorder. And every time I'd, I'd play it back, I would cringe because it sounded, I found it, I sounded so horrible. And I was like, Oh, I'll never, I'll never be a good singer. It was like so painful, but it was interesting because I could tell you that 
a lot of therapy, a lot of healing on my journey come came from uh, using my voice. And so I guess that's like the journey of healing the throat chakra. Um, and because when you sing, you're basically looking in a mirror, you're hearing your voice. And so um, I was thinking about this just yesterday. It's funny that I'm talking about that today. And um, you, you see all your shadows in your voice because that's largely part of your vibration and stuff like that. So it was like very early on on my spiritual path and it was very confrontational. It was very difficult for me to observe all these, these aspects of myself and I would get all these throat aches and it was so hard for me. At first I was singing in like this fake voice too. Like a lot of people do that when they start out singing, right? Because you don't want to hear yourself. You don't want to hear who you really are. And I remember someone coming up to me saying, that's not your real voice. And I was like, so insulted. I'm like, how dare you like tell me that I'm not singing in my real voice. I've been singing like this forever. He's like, yeah, you have been singing wrong forever. Like, and I thought I was like singing into this, like, you know, small high pitched voice, but I, turns out like that I'm a mezzo soprano. And so <laughs> when I really found my voice, I, I was so shocked. I was like, I can't believe that this is, this is who I am. Like, this is, this is what I've been hiding this whole time. And so I had to, it was like another kind of step towards being more of my authentic self. And, and like I said, a lot of healing came through that. So I actually became a singer for the next 10 years of my life. And I was singing in rock and roll bands in uh, a, I sang in two bands that were a mix of punk and rockabilly. We call that psychobilly. And nobody knows what psychobilly is, but it's basically like, if you can imagine Elvis Presley and the clash and maybe the cure all mixed up together. <laughs> I bet my husband would know what it is. Cause he's really into genres. He knows all the genres. And if I say somebody, he'll go, Oh yeah, that's so-and-so. And I'm like, how do you know all this? You know, and the thing is, the weird thing is, it's like our son, Benji, he's a, he's also doing it. He's also learning all these genres. At a, but, but anyway, I mean, I can't believe all this. It, you've done so much, haven't you? <laughs> yes. And that's only the half of it. So it's so funny because when I tell the story of my spiritual journey, of my spiritual path, like I'm like, I don't have such a typical like story. You know what I mean? Like my story is so atypical. So and yeah, I don't know. I feel like um, it's interesting, though. Like I, I didn't know how I would kind of share this with other people so that they could like kind of understand, you know, I don't know, like how I came about who I am today. But it's just a, a unique path. And on that, um, on that path of being a, a singer, I was like, I fully experienced my ego. So I was very much, I was always on a spiritual path. But at that point, I think that I used my ego to protect myself from all the pain that I had experienced in the past. And um, yeah, I was basically using that rock and roll facade mask um, to create this fake super heroine identity uh, to to be able to to cope with everyday life and it was fantastic that's <laughs> so funny because I think back and I'm like I had a blast I had so much fun but then you know I hit a wall at, at 30 years old 
and I knew I wouldn't do this for more than 10 years because I wanted to have kids and I I didn't see like myself as a woman continuing like being on the road and having this sex sex drugs and rock and roll type of lifestyle is only going to keep you alive for so long <laughs> so um but yeah I had some crazy experiences during that time um actually had some guy like walk in the middle of my house while I was sleeping. Um, and that caused me PTSD. Uh, and there is like more details around that, that I won't reveal today because it's such an intense story. Uh, but I had extreme PTSD because of that. And that's actually what got me to into meditation. So I started meditating and, um, I started also to be sensitive to uh, spirits around me. And um, yeah, I, I had a bit of a medium shift gift, but, but I was pushing that away at that time. It was too much for me to deal with. And I experienced with different vibrations, different frequencies, because I wasn't fully in my, I hadn't stepped fully into my light yet. So when you start to meditate, and you're, you're still in your ego consciousness, you're going to attract low entity vibrations and things like that. So I think that that's this experience that I had showed me that if you're in this consciousness of negativity and ego, and you attract these low entities vibrations, which I didn't know what they were at the time, I thought I was losing my mind. Um, but at one point, I just kind of clicked and I realized, no, this is real. And and the thought came into my mind, if you're experiencing this while in a low vibration, what would you express? What would you experience if you brought yourself into a high frequency? Right. And I was like, you probably would manifest angels and light beings and incredible experiences. And that's really what launched me on my path that I was like, all right, well, I'm, I've got to dive in. And then I left this life of sex, drugs, and rock and roll and, and took off the mask. Basically I took off the mask of that identity and then I was completely lost. That's when I had my, my, my awakening started because I basically, um, you know, was, went through the dark night of the soul at that point, which is when you start to question everything that you've ever experienced. And um, especially having ex experienced it from the ego mind's point of view, and then you step into your authentic self and wonder who, who is that? Who is that authentic self? And and so, yeah, the path of awakening is basically the realization that we are extensions of source energy, slowly, um, surely stepping into that, having more clarity about that, gaining more power, leaving the victimhood to step fully into that power. And I'm still doing that today. That's the ascension path, basically, right? We take little steps towards gaining more and more of that power and stepping more and more into our highest embodiment. So, yeah, this is, uh, this is my story. My awakening was hard. My, my dark night of the soul was brutal. <laughs> and, it's, and it's like me 15 years later, I'm still doing shadow work. You know, I'm still not perfect. The work never ends. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't end. And but it's 
you know, I, I see it more as a, you know, I'm a little, I'm still a little bit like, oh God, but I see it more as a gift now, you know, like something happens and I have a really strong reaction to it. You know, after a couple of hours, I'll sort of go, oh yeah. <laughs> and I'll go and write it down, you know, and then it might take me a week or two to to actually like deal with it because I mean, the thing is, like, once you open to guidance, that door is open and then it doesn't go away. You know, if you're ignoring things, there's a little voice on your shoulder going, go and yeah. deal with what you wrote down, go into. And it's like, oh, God. But, you know, so I'm all, I've always been grumpy all the way through my spiritual path. <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to change now. And I think, you know, I think my spirit teams, they don't they don't seem to mind. So I just have to, like, forgive myself for it but I do I do see it as a gift I do see it as a gift all these things now because mm-hmm. you know life gets better every time you deal with a bit more of it life gets better and right. that that process never ends until the moment where you're back with the divine <laughs> and that's the end of the journey so it's like I'm not in such a hurry that's for it. shadow work to end because it's like right and quite we like the journey we forget that our expansion is is going to continue forever. I mean, like, yes, we're all aiming to go t- from 3D to 5D, but then there's 6D and 7D and 8D, you know what I mean? Like our expansion just is forever. Like it always continues. So you can never get it all done. Like you only pick up tools along the way that help help the growth, like make the growth mm-hmm. process a little bit smoother, a little bit easier. And you pick yourself up faster from these difficult situations, these challenges, these obstacles, so that you can move through them a little bit faster. Yeah, absolutely. And and I love I love um hearing people's stories because they're always so different. We're all so different from mm-hmm. each other. And it's just endlessly fascinating. But I saw I saw that you were a photographer because, you know, when I when I meet somebody online, I'm a bit nosy. I like to go and do a bit research and you know it's amazing what you can find out about people online just doing a few searches and I saw your photography and I was like wow I can see because your Instagram feed Lily is just amazing it's just you do such good videos and you can see the artist in you behind you know I can I can see the artist behind the photography and the way that you create things and it's just it's brilliant I really love your Instagram feed ah thank you so much yeah there's definitely like I'm a Libra as well right and Libra has such a need for beauty and harmony right so that's definitely some of um the traits that define define who I am I and everywhere I go it's like sometimes I look around the planet and I'm like I'm not from this planet like like when I see chaos and disharmony it just frustrates me I'm just like I need to be somewhere that's like beautiful you know so there is that like wanting to to create beauty and but when I originally and uh, started photography, it was really about connecting with people for me. Um, because it, it was like, I had a bit of social anxiety, and it was difficult for me to go up to people. And uh, not necessarily to make friends, like I was always social and stuff like that. But I have this real like, need to look at people and look at things like my husband must be like, you know, like those annoying, like, 
girlfriend boyfriends that are always looking at other girls and stuff like that right like I'm one of those people and it's not just the girls like it's not just the boys like I look at everyone I just have this need to look at at people and it, it's like I don't know like I I I'm not even really sure why that is like I'm questioning myself right now I'll have to do some uh, some reflection on that later but um, it, it's also because maybe being an empath, like reading people's energies and looking at people, you pick up so much information and stuff like that. And uh, definitely, like, I don't know, there's just like such a here in Montreal, it's fascinating because there's just such a, a cosmopolitan mix of people and stuff like that. So there, just the other day, I was sitting on a terrace with my family. And uh, the 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 neighborhood that we were in is just so interesting because you especially get access to that mix of people. And so one person after the other was such a character and was so interesting to look at. I just like that was like the best feast for my eyes that I'd had in like so long. And especially with COVID, everybody's been inside for so long. So that was like one of the first times that I was out yeah, having dinner with family and stuff like that and seeing people. It's just like, yeah, I love looking at people. I love looking at things. Do you still do painting now? No, I don't. Actually, you know what? Like I we in our family, we do a um, what do you do? Like a Christmas uh, gift exchange of gifts that we make ourselves. So we decided a few years ago that we were going to craft the gift ourselves. And honestly, it's a bit of a pain in the ass. After years of doing that, you just don't know what to do anymore. You've like picked up like crochet and knitting and like uh, wood burning and every weird like uh hobby that you can think of but it's just so funny like because then we see each other and we tell the stories of what we've been doing all year and stuff like that but this year I I finally like I bought some canvases and I'm like I'm gonna do some paintings and I haven't painted in so long and I, I honestly like it's one of my favorite favorite things and I miss it so much but for me painting was like something that I did when I had a lot of time on my yeah. hand yeah <laughs> yeah know? yeah I understand, I understand. And then it's like all your creativity is going into your work at the moment, isn't it? I mean, and that is, you know, because like I was saying, your Instagram feed is really beautiful. But but I mean, also, you're giving away so much stuff there about healing and raising your energy. And, you know, just the fact that you can package it up in a beautiful way is great. But it's really the content that is that is pretty, pretty amazing. So I really encourage people to... um, come over and have a look at Lily's Instagram. It's awakening the magic, isn't it? Awakening the magic, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's it for me doing those videos is amazing because w- before wanting to be a photographer, I actually wanted to be a filmmaker. That was my first dream. And so um yeah, I was obsessed with that when I was young. And uh, actually, I was really lucky. All these like people would come to my dad's bookstores that access to so many uh, different people. And this um, filmmaker came by. And again, I got the opportunity to go work on a film set. And I thought it was so boring. Like after spending a couple of weeks on the film set that I changed my mind. I said, I can't do this. Like, <laughs> 
that's not I, definitely not what I want to do. So like I thought, well, I'm going to be a, a, a photographer because it's basically like you get to make a small movie in a few seconds. Right. So that I just didn't have the patience for being a cinematographer. But now with the little reels video and stuff like that, it's amazing what you can do in such a short amount of time. So it just gives me that satisfaction of, you know, like the wish that was unfulfilled that I always, you know, dreamed of accomplishing, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like since um, going on social media and like taking photos and little videos and things, I have become obsessed by light as well, <laughs> because, you know, if you get the right light on something and I mean, there's so much you can do with editing and stuff yeah. afterwards. But if you yeah. get it like, oh, it's just it is the magic, isn't it? The light getting the right light is the magic. But um, it's all about the light. Absolutely. All about the light. It's all about the light. I wanted I'm really shocked that you're 46. I thought <laughs> you were in your 30s, Lily. <laughs> uh, well, everybody says that when they see me. And I think like it's just um a pro like I mean I'm just really lucky I have good genes if you see my mom she probably looks about 15 or 20 years younger than she is so yeah it's all about the good genes but also in my head I'm still like probably you know 25 or 26 in my head so yeah but we we all feel like that (laughs) (laughs) yes doesn't necessarily show on the outside for everybody (laughs) I hear you I hear you well I'm very I'm blessed that way I guess but I wanted to I wanted to talk about, you know, the 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 time we had together working on my healing journey. So, you know, I, I saw you on Instagram and I, you know, I saw your picture and you you were just looking out and I just thought, oh it's her. I've got to work with her because I was at a point where I knew I needed to sort of have a bit of a I don't know, life laundry moment. It's like, you know, you because I love these shows where people goes into someone's house and just sort of tidies it all up. I knew I kind of needed that process for like me because, you know, I just got to a point where I knew I was going on to sort of the next level, but I needed to sort of, and I didn't want to do it on my own. I do so much healing work, like for myself. Mm-hmm. But I mean, over the years, you know, I've had loads of therapy and loads of this and loads of that. Sort of in stages, whenever I've needed it, I've never tried to sort of feel like someone said that to me once. When I came to Denmark, I developed, I've had quite a few interesting health issues since I've got here. But one of them was I started getting like, um, had to start taking a lot of antihistamines I was sort of like getting like hives like not badly but enough so that it itched and I went to see this acupuncturist and she went oh you're a healer why don't you heal yourself and I just thought god that's not really helpful is it obviously if I could do that I wouldn't be here paying you would I (laughs) But anyway, sort of that's I'm going off on a little diversion there. I mean, I really, really loved working with you, Lily, which is why I wanted to interview you. And also because, you know, the Sacred You podcast, I like to talk about the things that I think are really important. And I think, you know, healing work is, well, I suppose it's top of my list, really. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Um, 
Yeah, it was like such an incredible experience working with you. And it helped me to step into my power even more because when you came in, I was like, there's this like older woman who's like so wise. She channels with Sarah. Like she's like, like the, the type of woman that I look up to basically. And I was like, what could I possibly have to like bring to her, you know? And so, but I, you know, this little voice kicks in and I'm like, I know that the universe always orchestrates like the perfect scenario and that if I'm being presented in your life, it's because there's a piece of a puzzle that you'll be getting from me in one way or another. And also like, you know, that, that just kind of like helped me step up into my power and just say like, like you can do it. Like, you know, like you have all, all the knowledge, all the wisdom, all the tools and uh, to, to receive it also because I work as a channel for source energy and, and to transmit what needs to be transmitted and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it was, it was an empowering process for me. That's great. And I mean, inter- interdependency is the word that comes up for me a lot. And it's just something that I want to do some writing about because we all need each other. You know, there's, there's no one that sort of stands alone and it's healthy. It's that balance between not trying to do everything on your own. And on the other hand, not trying to make everyone do the work for you. You know, we, we, we all really need each other. And what I found so useful was that you had that like, balance between doing healing work and the coaching as well because like I mean I started like working with healing in my 20s and I've never stopped learning since then like one way or another and I mean you know I've done a lot of work with kind of psychoanalysis and stuff like that so a lot of deep emotional work as well but the thing is like there's so much in my head I could never actually use all of it so I forget a lot of it so I really needed you to say right are you doing this and are you doing that and you know since then like I've put these practices back in my life mm-hmm. and they've got their little little structure now you know I'll probably need to come and see you in another few years to get them back again but I mean but that's all right isn't it Do you know what I mean I I, I got so much well-being out of like because the thing is like there's all these things you know you should do. You know, we all, we're all like this. You know you should do this. But when someone else tells you to do it, it has a power. It does. It has a power. And I was like, and also I, I, I like at school, well, maybe not secondary school, but like primary school, I always wanted the teachers to think I was a good girl. <laughs> so it's like, like, oh, Lily told me to do this. So I'm going to do this now. <laughs> so yeah. then she'll, she'll say, she'll say I'm clever. It's like that. It's like that. That that really works. That really works for me. But um, but I mean, also, you know, there's whole areas that I think you took me into where where I haven't had the time to go and study it all, like the womb healing and and um stuff like that, and also the light language. You know, that session we did where we were using the light language and the drawing and using the timer and everything. Oh, I use that. I use that regularly for myself because it can be adapted to so many different things and for people who don't know what I'm talking about so if you've heard light language this is a way it's a way of using it to kind of shift your own stuff 
so it's not you know it's not so much about trying to like oh I'm going to try and connect to some really high vibration so that I can sound amazing it's like no 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 it's like an actual sort of practical and pragmatic purpose for it and I love that you know I was a nurse I'm a practical and pragmatic person what's the point of it unless you know it's actually going to shift something in my life and it is probably the quickest way I have ever come across to shift state that I've ever found and I I love it I just love it you have to do classes in this Lily you have to yeah I think I'm gonna get around to that for sure for now like my passion is working one-on-one coaching so anyone who's interested to to do these types of exercises it's very it's very fun we we laugh a lot to doing that and it's it just works really quickly to release stuck energy it's like almost kind of like a somatic practice and stuff like that the body is so smart right and if you just kind of let it do its own thing that's what I teach in in my trauma work is about reconnecting reconnecting to your spirit reconnecting to your emotional body reconnecting to your mental body reconnecting to your the power of your voice reconnecting to the language that your body is trying to share with you and so once we really reconnect with these these things we're being guided in such a deeper way of how we need to release how we need to heal how what we need to optimize ourselves and things like that so it's about having it such a deeper connection with every, every part of ourself is alive our chakras are alive you know our our liver is alive our cells are alive you know like every part of you wants to communicate with you and has a story to tell so uh Sometimes it's just about allowing for it to flow out of you. So that's very much what the light language is. It's just, let me see uh, today if I can release all this stuck, uh, let's say, jealous jealousy. And so how can I, I just trust so much and so deeply that I can let the flow of consciousness flow through me and be expressed through my voice for the purpose of releasing this energy of jealousy. And then we, we trust, we trust what comes in, what wants to flow through, through sound. And, and sound is just what originate, like it, it's it, creation originated from sound, right? So sound is so incredibly powerful and, the, and there's nothing that can heal you and sound of your own voice because it was crafted, designed, especially for you. Um, and so it's just a trust that if you let whatever sound wants to flow through you and you tune in, you have to not just let flow let sounds flow out, but tuning in intuitively to, to, to feel out those sounds and what sounds will be right to let flow out so that it can heal you. And those sounds will be the right sounds. It's always like the process of healing is always about reconnecting and trusting and just letting in, letting spirit come in, letting letting consciousness spirit to do the work because we're always kind of resisting. Um, we're, we're trying to do the work alone, first of all, right? And when we're trying to do it alone without spirit, it's never going to work. 
it's never going to be as powerful. It's like an artist that is uninspired and tries to draw on a canvas. It's just not the same as if you're fully plugged into your divine inspiration and let that flow through the, the canvas. Now you have magic happening, right? So if you try to do things alone without co this co-creation magic, then it, it's just going to always be difficult. So letting that you know, consciousness, energy flow through you and, and reconnecting to that and reconnecting to our power. Everything that I teach to you has to do with the fact that we have, we are extensions of source energy and therefore we are creative, powerful beings. And so we need to, to reconnect, to learn to use these creative tools that are programmed inside of us to know how to create powerfully, right? So to activate our imagination, our visualization, our inspiration, our downloads, our light codes, all these things, we activate all these things. And, um, and with that, we can, we have the palette to create the canvas of our own lives, of our own creation. So that's what I try to teach people mm -hmm. that you don't, you're not a victim of your circumstances. You know, I know that there is a, a lot of dialogue going on about that. And a lot of people would, would try to tell me otherwise, but I would have a very hot conversation with anybody who's willing about this topic. Um, but yeah, it's just about really kind of, um knowing knowing stepping into our power knowing that we're not these victims anymore and using our our inner gifts growing our divine gifts and abilities and taking commands of them taking command of our powers of our powers and believing also having faith having belief in ourselves if you don't have belief in yourself in the in in your power then you are powerless basically lots of of your of our power resides in our belief to be able to manifest to be able to create and stuff like that so now that we have all these elements now we can be the powerful creators that we're meant to be which is what source energy is yeah it's the force of creation that animates all things and we get to be part of that we get to be part of that co-creation magic so what really inspires you to do this healing work what is it that sort of gets you out in the bed in the morning <laughs> when it's all comfy you know I love that question like well like it's spirit you know like that that's what I preach so like I mean everything that I do everything that I do is just like spirit please tell me what is the next step that I'm supposed to take And, you know, I, I mean, I say that, but obviously sometimes I wake up in the morning and I pick up my phone and I scroll. I would be a liar if I said that I never do that, you know, and I know I'm not supposed to do that. I know that's not the connected way to do things, right? Maybe it is actually, maybe Spirit one day is like, pick up your phone. I have some information for you on there. It's possible, right? But the first question you want to ask yourself when you wake up, you know, it's just like, maybe just having a moment to be grateful for your life, to be grateful for spirit, and then to reconnect with that energy, maybe to think about what happened during, during your sleep, 
you know, is there anything, any messages that it's always about just connection and, and being more present, right? So just being more present with everything that wants to come through. Otherwise, we may be missing on some downloads, some messages, some opportunities that will allow for a greater expansion. Everything mm-hmm. is about allowing for a greater extension that's what we're here to do to Mm -hmm. and to create through that to be the powerful creators that we are that's what this expansion wants us to do is to show us you know that we're unlimited beings that we can have we can create whatever we want basically Mm -hmm. right sometimes we're limited in uh, I mean, you're going to say, Lily, you say that, but uh, if I'm trying to manifest a million dollars tomorrow, it's not really happening, right? <laughs> well, that's because you have to expand certain qualities in your divine being before you can access that. That's all it is. Because if you had expanded those aspects of yourself, you could probably manifest that money tomorrow, right? And, and so it's just a journey to get you there. And, and you signed up for that. You signed up for this human experience where you wanted to learn these skills of how do I expand to allow my for more to come in. Mm. That's what that's what we're here for. Yeah. And I, I think that thing you said about, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you have to like ask spirit and say, you know, what what do I do today? What? what what do you want me to sort of pay attention to? And then you've got to create some space where you listen <laughs> for the answer. And, and I think this is what a lot of us forget. It's like we just expect all these things to happen. Yeah. You know, I'm spiritual now and it should just happen. I should just know these things. And it's like, yeah, but you have to consciously ask that question and consciously make that space. And to be honest, it can happen from 30 seconds to three minutes it doesn't have to take but you do you do have to do it you do have to do it I mean yeah all right you know spirit is there like throwing signs and omens in front of our paths and you know I'm not saying those because they are aren't they I mean they're really like you know once your eyes and ears and your senses are open there's stuff flying about all the time but if you really want to have that connected life you you have to do that you have to do that like yeah and you said the magic word like you said the magic word which is consciously right that's the process of like awakening is to become conscious about every single thing every single action that you take every breath you take like becomes a conscious movement right so we want to move eventually as we grow into these more expanded being we're going to be living every single Uh, action breath that we take in this conscious type of way of being where everything becomes like oh wow like I'm having like a sip of water and I'm connecting with the water element and the vibration of water and I'm blessing my water before I drink it to give it the this healing you know this miraculous healing ability and uh, because I know that I'm a powerful like creator. And so I can infuse everything that I do with magical abilities and things like, and, um, and things like that. And, and just, yeah, move into this beautiful way of being where everything is almost like a ritual. Everything is like a blessing. You know, everything, everything is done consciously. It's done with the intention of, ha- of 
it, I mean, once we move through that way of being, we're going to be really living from our heart space, right? And expanding that heart energy. That's what happens on the path is that that heart's energy starts to take over and starts to carry us through. So we move a lot slower because we're moving so fast through our life. Exactly, life. exactly. And that is that is exactly what I was just thinking. So when I moved to Denmark seven years ago, the town where I live, it is full of springs. It's incredible. It's just, and they all have beautiful vibrations that are all completely different from each other and you know this used to be like famous across uni- uh, Europe Roskila for, for for its sacred springs and these days everyone's forgotten about them apart from me you know I come here I love springs I'm obsessed with springs so I spent like the first year just going around and getting to know each separate one because to me they're like people you know I get to know each one and their qualities and then I started showing people around and people would go wow I've lived here all my life and I've never noticed them and the only difference between before and after was I would say to them okay Go quiet in yourself, take some deep breaths, drop down, connect to the earth. And it's that, it's that dropping down to a different, you know, state. Cause you because like I used to be a hypnotherapist, it's that, it's that slight shift in your brain waves. And then suddenly the magic and the mystery just opens. And instead of someone just like rushing past it, they can sort of stand there and just like feel the energy you don't feel it when you're in that everyday running around organizing state you just don't yeah and 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 like the 3d matrix is really conditioning us to be overstimulated all the time right we're overstimulated by technology by entertainment by social media i mean like our brain never rests we never rest so it's really hard to unplug from that unnatural way. It's really an unnatural way of being and go back to our roots, ask ourselves, who were we like, and I do some ancestral work. So I ask people like to go back all the way to before their ancestors were living in civilizations when we were just like really living in unity with the earth. Mm -hmm. And we were just these beings that were, you know, really didn't have to work to to have abundance. We would just kind of eat food off of the trees and stuff like that. And we just can take our time and connect with nature. This is like how we really heal is that we try to figure out who are we as these people? Who were we? Who are our wise ancestors that go that far back? That's your true essence, right? That's your true essence. And that's what we're trying to come back to. But it's so hard to do it because we're so programmed by society by so and we're bombarded by the collective consciousness energy, like nonstop. Um, So we, we, I don't know, it's, it's doable, though, like, you know, like, just spend more time in nature, go in nature as much as you can. Like you said, connect to the crystalline core of the earth, connect, ground yourself, walk barefoot into the grass and things like that, you know, and then sink into your heart space. I spent weeks just lying down like on the, on the ground, just in this, in the, in the local park, there's not a whole lot of people that go there. So I would just like bring a blanket or just lie on the grass and I would just stare at the, the 
leaves on the trees for hours and just feel these like blissful waves in my heart. Like just, just, I started to just kind of be so connected with a blade of grass or a leaf that I could literally see the fabric of life kind of glowing and shining and these things starting to speak to me and start to look at the flowers and the plants and feel their vibration and if you tune in even deeper you almost feel like their message you know their message comes maybe not in a vocal way but if you focus on their geometric shape on their color on their scent and things like that there's so much information that wants to flow through you uh, that wants to be expressed and when you really plug into that and you feel into that you realize wow like when I'm doing that I actually feel some kind of reharmonization going on in my body I actually feel like I'm being you know like when we go in nature we feel like we're being harmonized like we're being balanced right and so there's something to that like we're just so so disconnected from nature that's it we forgot that way of being well because the thing is we are nature (laughs) that is what that is what we are and then we live these artificial lives and we get in these strange sort of vibrational patterns and then we go back out into the nature and it's like then we become ourselves again because that is actually what we are we are actually part of that not part of this this life living in houses with electricity (laughs) so yeah Oh, it's been so wonderful talking to you today, Lily. And we oh, could just keep going on and on and on. But um, I'm afraid time is ticking us by. But before we finish, is there any last things you want to tell us about? And I mean, I know you have a great website that people can come and have a look at. I just want to read to you. Like, can I read to you a little text that will take two minutes? Yes. Okay. So this is something that I do every morning, which is basically spirit commands. So I command my reality and I do some clearing. I do some cord cutting. I do some, I command for my thoughts to be in order. I command uh, the things that I want to draw into my life. So I just want to read this to you because it's so powerful and it's such a beautiful, when you realize that you are such a powerful um, manifester and conscious creator, you realize that one of the most important ways of doing this is to start to command your reality. So here's a good way to do it. And I haven't put this on my uh, website yet, but I think by the time the podcast is on, um, it will be on my on my website. So you can go and copy it if you want, to, if that's something that you want to say every day and add your own commands or make your own. So here, here it is. It is commanding your reality and co-creating your day with spirit. These are my daily morning commands. And you can just say, so it is at the end of each phrase. Like, you don't have to say it out loud, but you can just say, so it is, if that's something that you want to claim for yourself. Spirit, today and every day, please clear me from anything that is not a blessing. Spirit, create perfect harmony in my etheric, mental, emotional, and physical bodies. Spirit, cut all my negative energy cords to anyone that is not a blessing. Spirit, please clear my home from all negative energies. Spirit, please protect me, my family, and my home from all negative energies, negative elementals, and all beings that do not care for my highest good. 
Spirit, please remove and dissolve all negative thoughts and negative programming from me and replace them with 100% divine love, divine wisdom, divine harmony, and divine bliss. Spirit, today and every day, shower me with divine blessings of love, healing, perfect health, confidence, faith, trust, wisdom, abundance, prosperity, peace, harmony, or something even better. Spirit, please reunite me with my soul family. Unite me with loving, nurturing, like-minded, high-frequency friends that I share a pure love and a deep spiritual connection with. Spirit, Give me the guidance, the inner knowing, the vision, the clarity, the patience, the tools, and the strength I need to fulfill my divine purpose and my divine mission today and every day. Spirit, please dissolve any blocks and obstacles in my way. Protect me from all attempts to interfere with my peace, my safety, my well-being, or my divine mission. Spirit, please give me the clarity, the wisdom, and all the tools I need to stand in my full divine power and to embody the highest version of myself. This day and every day and this or something better. There you go. Wow. That was beautiful. And can really feel like your intention as you were reading that out. That was like that energy was really coming through. I love that, Lily, and I know there'll be a lot of people who will be coming over at your website and having a look for that. What What is the name of your website? So the name of uh, my website is lilysweet.com. Lily is spelled L-I-L-I, so L-I-L-I-S-W-E-E-T.com. Okay, and I will put that, I'll put that link in the show notes as well. But it's been fantastic talking to you today and finding out, I had a feeling you were an interesting person, but I didn't know anything about you. But, you know, I tend to follow all my intuitions. And, um, you know, that was a journey in itself. Of course, I didn't start off in life like that. I learned to do that. And um, my intuitions are all really good, <laughs> I have to say. Thank you, Spirit, for, for, for all of that. And it's been, it's been really brilliant talking to you today. Oh, I love you, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me on the show. That was so much fun. That was so much fun just to share my heart with you and to share this sacred space. So thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. And yeah, thank you for for sharing your story with us. And yeah, I'd just like to say one last time, I'm, you know, I'm really grateful for having met you when I did. It was absolutely perfect. And I, I got so much goodness out of our time together. Oh, thank you. Bless you for saying that. I feel I feel so honored. Well, thank you. You're welcome. And so say goodbye to everybody and uh, see you again. Bye for now. Bye. Bye, guys.